You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 32. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, men, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you again. And today we thought we'd jump into a topic that us men need to put some time and attention into, but we tend not to. No, no, no. The truth is I've been pressuring Guy that it's about time we did something on health and fitness. It's been a while, and he finally weakened and found someone really great for us to talk to. Well, I have found someone really really great to talk to, someone I've known for a little while as well. We have Andrew Jameson on the blower. Hey, Andrew, you there? Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, we're doing pretty well. Now, Andrew runs a business called FitLab. Now, that's a pretty interesting name. Do you want to just tell us what is FitLab all about, Andrew? Uh, uh, FitLab is a pretty small company. We work with a lot of cyclists who just want to get better. We use science to apply to how they train and how they exercise and um, just just trying to apply that in a in a better way. So, so working with um, mainly cyclists um, from elite down to whoever, really. So some of them are juniors, some of them are masters, just a whole range, but usually competitive. So. And Andrew, a lot of that then is based around biofeedback, I presume. Yes, we use probably the, one of the biggest breakthroughs in that area has been the power meter. Um, so that that's enabled us to measure workload really effectively um and also the heart rate monitor has been useful as well but that was it's been around for quite a long time now since probably the 90s um 80s or 90s so looking at how your body responds and then also what it's doing what it's producing with the power and you understand all the metabolic science and everything that goes with that as well do you uh all of it would be a big answer um (laughs) i guess what what i've picked up along the way from my degree and um working in the area for probably uh since 2000 I think I started my business, so it's been a while. So hang on, you're already over my head, so we, we need to step back a little bit. Uh, we, I think when we start talking about power meters and all this sort of stuff a little bit later on, but I guess the question for us is, you know, as we get into our late 30s, into our 40s, and a little bit beyond in the case of uh, some, hang on, hang some on. present. Hang on. <laughs> what the, the, the question is, you know, what do we have to do in our middle age bracket which is different from what we could get away with with earlier what's what's changing i think we need to look at what we want to get out of it so we need to think big well we want to stay what, alive what for starters so you yeah, start life's good it's a very hard exercise when you're dead <laughs> uh some things that you might want to do exercise can provide a whole lot of things obviously it helps you run around with your kids you might have to chop the firewood take out the garbage um it's Plenty of things that, you know, the, the dishwasher breaks, you have to pull it out from the wall, guy. Um, things like that, you need to have a bit of strength and you don't want to have a hernia doing it. So these, these sort of things, just, just life fitness, really, we're looking at things that you need to be able to do them competently and well and not have to worry about giving yourself an injury. So um, looking at that big picture is important. Um, so longevity, quality of life, reducing your body fat to what would be a normal level rather than obviously when we get over 30, we tend to add a little bit around our tummy. Um, and also, yeah, it also helps your mental health as well. Just having that exercise will help you just just general feeling better, um, having done that you've done some exercise. And there's also endorphins involved, which is 
basically a feel-good um, natural thing, um, hormone. So it'll help you to feel better about yourself as well. So a lot of things go on physiologically as well, but that would be a good some of the things that we want to have happen. But a lot of things go on in terms of our metabolism slows down. We start not being able to um, process the food that we eat as quickly. So in terms of the amount that we eat, it's not burned up as quickly as it used to be when we were a lot younger. Um, now, the, Andrew, the excuse we all like to use as we get a bit of belly fat or as we get a bit weaker is to say, my dad was like that, it's in the genes. Uh, is that likely to be true or is it just really that we're not behaving appropriately? Uh, it would be a bit of both because obviously... Andrew's, like never to... had, never, Andrew's never had to lose a, an ounce of fat in his life. He's, he's got the I'll skinny... on it. <laughs> um, I guess... You've got to look at it as in everything else. Like everyone looks different. They some people lose their hair, some people don't lose their hair. I've lost mine. Some people are tall, some people are short. You know, some people are broad and strong. You know, a lot of you look at rugby players, for example. The ones that end up in that sport are often big, strong, um, often island guys. The big, you know, big musculature. Um, whereas you look at me, I, I wouldn't want to play against those guys. I get crushed. So ev- everyone's totally different. So the way your body responds to everything is different as well. Um, so for example, one person will be more likely to gain belly fat and other person might be more likely to put it on the inside. So around your organs and things like that, which is potentially more dangerous. So, um, although they, yeah, they can be related to, but just the way people, um, I guess, distribute their body fat and the way they change it over time will be different. But there is a common theme as well because our metabolisms are slowing down. We tend to exercise less, um, our wives bake yummy things and one thing leads to another and we get chubbier. So, yeah, there's a few things going on there, both sides of the coin. Well, I have multiple do- multiple daughters and my <laughs> sons don't bake much, but, I, but I've got four daughters who, who bake yummy things and so... Uh, there's there's no hope for there's no hope for me in my house <laughs> in terms of in terms of not eating this stuff. So you know, as a, as we end our forties and our metabolism starts to slow down, how important is having a reason for wanting to to stay reasonably healthy? How important is that reason to actually be successful at it? Yeah, that's that's probably the key here. Like for my athletes that I work with, they need to have a goal. They need to. They, it's usually a race or a not just one race, but a period of time over several weeks where they want to be hitting it hard and just racing really well. So the same thing with, that's something that they look at when they're training, when they're doing all the hard hard yards that leading up to the end of six months or however long it is before then. So the same thing with everyone else. You, if you're just exercising day to day over, you know, just changing things around, doing, doing different routines, then you've got nothing you necessarily heading towards. So I think it's a good idea, even if you're, you don't necessarily have anything you want to be fit for, to try and find something that you could work towards, whether it's an event or whether it's just uh, performing a bit better in a certain thing. So it might be, okay, um, well, it could be as like uh, walking around the block, which might be a, a couple of kilometres or something like that. And that might, that might be enough to tie you out when you first start out. So you might want to get up to a position where you can get around that block in 10 minutes or whatever the time is. So looking at little goals along the way and maybe also some sort of big goal. Um, so having that in the back of your mind while you're, while you're exercising will also help you to carry on and not miss those workouts. So a goal doesn't have to be something really huge like the, the, the city's marathon race. 
It can actually be just to beat your personal best. Exactly. Yeah, and there's a lot of tools and things too you could use to help you with that, but I think we'll probably look at some of those later. But there's, yeah, just it could be something, something just against yourself. Like different people are motivated different ways. Um, so you want to, some people want to do something like they might want to do a marathon, and whether that's at walking pace or whatever it is, that might be what really makes them get out of bed in the morning and um, do jump on the treadmill or go, go for a, a short jog. But other people, they want to be motivated by just getting fitter and better. So looking at ways you can um, put a goal into that. So most of us are probably at the start of the year, and we're coming up to the, we'll be coming up to the start of the year pretty soon. Uh, usually we, we make some goals around our, our health and fitness. Oh, I want to lose 10 pounds or, you know, I want to be able to feel better when I'm playing with the, with the kids or there's, there's some goal that we make at the start of the year, but I don't know what the stats are, but a tiny fracture of, a fraction of people actually get there and achieve it. And I want to talk about that for a minute. It seems to me that, that if you stick a goal way out or, or you make the goal fairly, uh, fairly vague, so I just want to lose some weight and you, you don't see any date around it, you don't actually have a defined time and, and plan about how to do it, you just put some vague goal out there that you come to a point where you're just not really sure that what you're doing is going to get you there. It's too far out. You're not seeing tangible results as you're working through your, you know, getting up in the, in the morning, going and doing your exercise or getting to the gym and you just, and you just give it up. So how can we come up with a plan that can provide us with, you know, some short term rewards that encourages us to keep going uh, but also be, be realistic because we're not going to lose, you know, 10 pounds in a week. How can we do that, uh, Andrew? How can we use science to help us achieve that? Well, it, it, exactly. That is, um, in, in some respects, it's almost more about a little bit like business, it's a bit like planning. So what's, that's the next step. You kind of hit it on the head, actually. So we've got our goal. It's, say it's six months away and we want to walk the marathon or whatever it is. Um, so well, let's, just, let's, just say it's, let's just say it's losing, losing 10 pounds. There you go, losing 10 pounds. So what you would do is you need to look at the, the big picture. So you'll maybe look at a, how many weeks is that? So 26 weeks. I want to um, break it down into different segments of what we're going to work with. So this, this is exactly what I do with my athletes. I have what's called a long-term plan. So it looks at you've got your goal at the end and you've got the week, week breakdown. And from there, I break down those weeks into usually four weekly blocks so that each one of those blocks has got a little build up and then an easier week. So they might be three weeks of building up a little bit and then an easier week. And that's within that you can have often in that easier week, we'll do some sort of measuring and seeing how we're progressing along to, along a goal. So each one of those blocks we focus on maybe a particular area of fitness. And then we can measure, we'll be measuring before we do that block and then measuring something after that block. So it's not, doesn't have to be something complicated to measure. It could just be doing the walk around the block or measuring on the scales for this. Um, and then just seeing how we're progressing. So we can tweak things along the way if it needs to be, but we are also, we've got the whole thing mapped out as well. So we can, the big picture is mapped out from a sort of a month to month basis, if that makes sense. So if we were going to go with say losing weight then Andrew, I know you're really with elite athletes and cycling, so weight loss isn't your game. But I'm just thinking about it in terms of the goal and, and the measurements. Um, what, what's the kind of appropriate way to, to do that? I mean, without just being unrealistic, and obviously not everyone wants to go and pay for a, a fitness coach to be able to manage that for them. So just give us some guidelines there. Exactly. Like 
to be, to be honest, weight loss is a bit of a part of cycling because it's to do with power to weight. So when you're going up climbs and things, often that comes into play. So that's why you end up with real scrawny guys like Chris Froome and that winning the Tour de France. Um, but having said that, yeah, when you're looking at losing weight, it's a perhaps that that might be what we're actually wanting to do. But the actual what we're trying to achieve is to get fitter, to get better able to do whatever it is in our life, you know, just live better and um, have a have a better quality of life. So in the process of losing that weight, you want to look at increasing your fitness, which will increase your metabolism. So as you get more aerobically fit by doing things like uh, working on the treadmill or the rower or going for walks or jogs, that kind of heart-based exercise where you're cardiovascular, I guess you want to call it, where you're getting your heart rate up for a reasonable amount of time and it's getting your heart and lungs fitter and your muscles are getting better at using oxygen and just overall fitness. So that's really good. So that'll help to speed up your metabolism. But also there's the other side of it too, which would be strength type work. So what working in the gym or working some sort of strength-based exercise. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to get a gym membership. Most of my athletes, I tell not to get a gym membership and just buy a set of dumbbells because you can do pretty much everything with a set of two handheld weights if you've got enough changeability in the weights and things. So there's, there's different strength things you can do that will help to uh, maintain muscle mass if you're already reasonably you know, in shape or maybe gain a bit of muscle mass if you're starting to lose that as you're getting older. So the good thing about the more muscle mass is it will help you increase your metabolism. So that'll help you burn um, more energy as well. So losing, losing fat or losing that weight. Um, so both of those things that aerobic work, which is the heart-based stuff and also the strength work will help to um, lose that weight. So yeah, there's a couple of angles that you're looking at it, but um, yeah, you want, you want to be including both of those once you're sort of over 30 or 40, because both of those, both of those things reduce as you get older. And this, surprisingly, the strength one is actually very important. I always relate it to like the old lady that falls over and breaks her hip. Um, she probably fell over because her muscles are so tiny they can hardly hold her up anymore if she's doing balancing on one leg or up on the stool trying to get the, the jam out of the top cupboard. You know, that's how they, they just haven't got the strength to maintain their balance. And that's, that's sort of where you're heading if you're not doing anything to to keep that muscle mass or to keep your, your muscles from wasting away. So that's why you need to incorporate strength work, even old ladies. Well, we're not talking to old ladies necessarily <laughs> in this audience. But let me just let me tell you the three things I just heard you say that, that I just ticked in my head. Firstly, yeah. if we're thinking of doing weight loss, we really need to broaden that and to say weight loss has to be there for a purpose, which is part of our overall fitness, overall well-being, uh, the, the presence of mind, all the other benefits. So, don't just focus on the weight loss, but focus on the bigger package. I like that thought. I like the realization that the aerobics helps the muscles function better within their own um, operating parameters. They breathe better. They process oxygen better. They work better. But then the weight training creates more of the muscle that's now working better. So we kind of see that the big picture uh, the aerobic exercise for health of the muscle and then the weight training for massive muscle so there's more of it to work for us. Is that a reasonably good summary? It, exactly. And and having the strength work in there as well, also being stronger will help you do a lot of those day-to-day things as well. So it is a very, very useful area to work as well. Yeah, you've got it. So, uh, over a six-month period of time, you set many goals. You You, you would want to break it down somehow? Exactly. So you don't want to be unrealistic. You, um, you want to look at 
uh, for weight loss, for example, um, we should probably, in, in many respects, weight loss is a bit of, uh, I guess, less, or probably, it's a broader way of looking at it, and it's probably not as accurate as, say, looking at body fat. Uh, but it's, it's easy and measurable because you can just jump on your bathroom scale. So you've got to be a little bit careful when you're talking about weight loss, when you really want to be thinking about fat loss because it's the belly fat and all of that that you're trying to lose. But from a simple point of view, you know, once you, when you're losing weight, you're probably most likely to be losing that body fat. If you're doing strength work, you'll keep your muscle and the fat will hopefully just, just disappear. Um, trying to remember where I was going with that. Well, we're talking about the, we're talking about the, we were talking about the six months trajectory, of how to break it down. That's right. Yeah. So I would, I would look back and over that six month period, you'd go, okay, so realistically, if we were looking at losing uh, 10 kilos, then you could break it just probably reasonably easily spread it over that period of time. So you've got nice, even goals as you're working through, uh, you don't want to get too carried away with how much you want to lose. Between 500 grams and a kilo a week is about the recommended limit. Um, initially, if you're quite big to start with, if you've got quite a bit of body fat, then you'll sometimes you'll notice quite a bit going to start with, and a lot of that can be associated with water and other things as well. But the big gain to start with might slow down a bit later. So just just bearing that in mind, it's not going to be necessarily even the whole way through the, the six months. Yeah, just, just having goals that are definitely achievable and it's not, you're not trying to rush it. Well, this is a long-term thing. We're, we're looking at being healthy, healthy for life. You're not trying to suddenly make weight for a fight or, or something else like that. So it's a, it's a long-term picture. You want to do it right. You want to get into good habits. So um, controlling it effectively and not, and not getting too carried away is probably going to be key. So, Andrew, there are a lot of weight loss programs which are really about calories, right? How important is that, really, particularly for, for men in their 40-plus their years? Well, it's, it's definitely a hot topic. Uh, you'll find plenty of stuff nowadays that say it's not important, and then you'll find other stuff that says it still is. I think it's important to some degree, but you've got to look at the full picture. You've got to look at where those calories are coming from, what you're eating, um, so you're, saying, so you're yep. saying two calories are not equal? Uh, yes, I guess. That's, that's definitely one side of it. I think calories in, calories out has some merit, but you've got to really look at yeah, what you are actually eating. So, for example, if you are looking at getting healthy, and you need to look at your nutrition because nutrition is what you're fueling your body with. So that, that's got to be the thing that's likely to potentially cause you disease in the future if, if it's not good food or the thing that will help you to stay healthy and maybe fight off disease and, and have a better immune system. So looking at, at those things is very important. Um, it's definitely a bit area I've been sort of interested in a bit more lately. Um, yeah, I guess you know, my sister and your wife would know a bit more about this than I would, having a couple of degrees in the area. But uh, I generally I try and keep it simple. Otherwise, this, it can be a massive can of worms or a massive complicated area just like fitness can be you want to keep things simple so you actually do them so uh the i would look to have whole foods quality food um plenty of fresh fruit and veggies preferably organic because there's a lot of stuff that goes into food or sprays and other things which can affect you and maybe reducing things like uh dairy and meat a little bit doesn't necessarily mean being vegetarian but some of those things might might be might have issues as well, depending on who you are and 
um, maybe you might need allergies towards them as well. Uh, but yeah, I think some of the some of the biggest, or one, definitely one of the biggest things is sugar and everything these days. It's probably worse in America, but we still have so much sugar in various things. Like there's so many foods that we think don't have sugar or shouldn't shouldn't have sugar, but they do just because they make us want to buy them and eat them more. Um, they just we just get so used to it being in everything. So reducing that as much as possible where you can is a, is a pretty good start. Um, yeah, and just empty calories, I guess, is the thing you're trying to trying to avoid. So good, good wholesome whole foods will be the best way to sum that up. Yeah, I'm on a lifelong quest to work out how you can have shortbread without sugar in it. I haven't quite solved it yet. I was, I was, I was trying to work out that one the other day, actually. Can you have gluten, dairy-free shortbread without any sugar? I don't think you'd have much left, would you? So but, when you say um, n- no empty calories... Just describe for me a couple of things that you'd put in that category. So, it, it, as an empty thing, or yeah. as a full, yeah. Empty. So, empty would be quite processed things. Like one of the, I don't want to name names, but different cereals um, can be obviously quite empty. They're often marketed as healthy things. Like for example, Nutrigrain. I think the second biggest ingredient in Nutrigrain is brown sugar. Don't quote me on that, but it's things <laughs> like that. Um, and rice, for example, so so processed, you know, um, rice bubbles are so processed by the time you get them that there's virtually nothing in there that's useful. Um, sure, they've got carbohydrate, and some of those things won't have sugar in, but you want to get all the surrounding nutrients and stuff that were in the plant in the first place, rather than just pulling all out all the stuff out and then just just feeding in just the just the carbohydrate, you know, just stripping it right back to nothing. Um, eating eating whole you know, fresh fruit and vegetables, preferably that you've grown in your own garden if you, if you do that, but uh, from the local local veggie shop. Um, yeah, so starting with... So a person, living off, a person living off packet food or highly refined foods, the white flowers, all of the highly refined things, they're the person who's probably got a whole lot of empty calories going into their system. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of... Uh, food has been, I mean, it's been designed or God's designed it so that there's different things around uh, each of those nutrients to help them be processed. Like things in the apple can help it be, the, the sugar and it be processed better. And um, yeah, like sometimes the having whole flour or wholemeal flour has different things in it that can help you digest some of the, the gluten or other things. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's something that you need to look at, yeah, in terms of reducing that processed food, I think, is the big is the big issue. Well now I'm just gonna focus your attention for a moment on that middle age spread. Um <laughs> what is the best way to actually reduce that? I know you can't talk from experience, but um <laughs> we've talked about the cardio stuff, you've talked about the weights. What what what's the best thing for us to play with in order to kind of um have those beautiful abs everybody wants to have? Yeah. Well, the, the, the funny thing is, I mean, obviously you've probably seen online and you see in your, your Facebook on the right-hand side, often there'll be some old guy with a six-pack or some advert for something else that, you know, cut belly fat. But what happens when you lose body fat, if you're burning, you know, what we talked about before, like burning, um, having a faster metabolism and, yeah, reducing our body fat, it doesn't necessarily leave from where you want it to leave. So if you do sit-ups or something that's targeting muscles around your stomach, it doesn't mean that you'll lose the fat 
around your stomach. It's more of an overall thing. So increasing your metabolism, increasing the, the use of that fat storage, which is just a big energy storage really, um, will reduce it from all over. So it doesn't just take it from your belly or your, your back of your thigh or wherever, wherever you're storing it. It'll take it from wherever it sees fit. Um, there's no particular um, area that it's going to target by doing a particular exercise. So we need to think about just reducing our overall body fat. Um, and yeah, basically that's going to come from increasing our, uh, what they call the basal metabolic rate or basically our standard operating level of um, calorie use. So basically how much, when we're just idling along, how much fuel we're using. So you, if you can increase that by having more muscle mass and doing more exercise, um, so each of those things will help to speed that up. And every time you exercise as well, it'll obviously you're using more while you're exercising, but then for a while afterwards, your metabolism is faster as well. So there's definite benefits to, um, to that exercise, not just from what you burn during the exercise, but for a while after it as well. Or sometimes if some people want to do a short session in the morning, a short session in the afternoon, you know, that's got two, two bites of the cake, so to speak, of the exercise cake. And it will speed up metabolism after both of those times. So that, that's another, another possibility there. But yeah, you're looking at speeding now, up your metabolism. Sorry, where you go? I heard you use a, a technical term there to describe whatever it is that, that needs to be measured. That yep. led me just to think about all this technology that you use with your elite athletes. I presume there are mechanisms, biofeedback or other processes that can actually measure our ability to um, get value out of our calories, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there are different tests and things you can do. They're, they're fairly lab-based and expensive in terms of working out what you can, you can actually see uh, how, how much you can, how much carbohydrate can uh, metabolize and how much fat you can metabolize and where they, you know, start and finish and blend into each other, you know, all those kind of things. So you can look at those things, but that's a reasonably complicated lab test. Um, what I test is I test lactic acid. So you're probably familiar with the term, but as you exercise harder, you produce more lactic acid because it's a it's what's produced when you're burning carbohydrate as a fuel and that that lactic acid builds up in your system so we can measure the lactic acid to see how much carbohydrate you're, you're utilizing and how much you can process it um, so that's another way of looking at metabolism um, while you're exercising uh, I mean the, the easiest thing in terms of just a layperson measuring and making sure they're exercising in the right area would be having a, having a heart rate monitor or measuring their heart rate. I mean, you could even measure it with your fingers and count, um, count your heart rate, you know, count for six seconds and then add a zero, um, which is what your heart rate is. Um, but yeah, things in terms of measuring the actual what's going on physiologically, it is, a, it is bordering on a lab-based um, test, um, which will cost you a wee bit of money. Um, but yeah, you don't necessarily need to get into that nitty-gritty because uh, there's plenty of research around um, giving you ideas of what sort of intensity you need to do for those things. And, and that'll get you pretty close. It's, it's when you're getting into being elite and really wanting to fine-tune it that you need to, need to get very, very specific with different lactate levels and, and things like that. So, Well, I think Guy wants to do another podcast with you sometime to actually look at what the average bloke can use for these sort of tools. We won't talk too much about that now, then, if we're going to follow it up later. But um, obviously there are 
things that we can pick up along the way that will help us keep track of ourselves? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just, to, just to give a bit of a taste for what, what we can talk about in that next podcast. Yeah, there's a few little things. There's different applications that are useful. There's lots of, there's lots of gear around now that uh, has online apps on your phone and on the computer. You can download stuff. And, but then there's simple stuff as well, like immediately after. So there's a range of tools like a heart rate monitor or measuring your weight on a scales or even using a tape measure to look at girth, so measuring around your waist and your hip and looking at the ratio between those. Um, and also you can get more and more advanced as you see, but there's, there's plenty of options that you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, even from simple, you can get calipers for 10 bucks or 20 bucks can be quite an interesting way of doing it as well. Uh, there's lots of, um, yeah, sorry, apps online, uh, things that upload things into the internet so you can track things and they have all sorts of cool graphs. There's, you want to maybe look at some way of measuring, what you are actually training or working on. So if it's strength, you want to see if your strength is improving, if it's uh, riding a bike or if it's running or if it's on a row or a treadmill or whatever it is, you might want to measure that some way. So see how your, your fitness is improving in that area. So yeah, it's, it's definitely about, I mean, from my, my angle, it's you need to measure stuff to see where you've come from, uh, what you've done to what's improved. And, um, yeah, it needs to be, you need to quantify it basically to see, see if it's working or not. Otherwise you're, you're wasting your time or you, or you just don't so, know what you're getting. So, so then Andrew, that really, in my mind, that really takes us full circle back into the reason why, because a lot of us probably don't want to measure how we're going because if we measure ourselves and we're not making any progress or shock horror, we've actually gone backwards, then it's just so discouraging. And so it then comes back to that, that real mental game, doesn't it? So that mental game has got to be really, in, really important to, to be able to, say, well, regardless of whether I'm going backwards, I need to keep measuring myself and keep, uh, and keep going uh, because of my reason why I want to get fitter, the reason why I want to lose weight, because that measurement, you're telling us that measurement is so important, but yet we won't do it because we're afraid of the results. So how do we, how do we combat that in the remaining two minutes that we've got on the show? <laughs> uh Right. Well, I mean, this is an issue in, with elite athletes and, and that as well. Like, you want to measure because you want to see that they're ready for an event or something, but you don't want to measure because you don't want to know that you're actually not ready for the event. So mm. it, it, it is a bit of a catch-22. So you need to the, – the thing is, though, if you measure, you can see if we're going wrong. If we're, if we're doing this, whatever it is, 20 minutes a day of jogging – and we're not getting anywhere. Nothing's improved. We haven't got any faster. We haven't lost any body fat. Then so we change the plan. We so we change, change things up a bit. We do something right. different. Obviously, our body's not responding to that, so we need to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's a way of not going too far down the path before you realise that it's not working. You've only gone three weeks of, of doing a block, and then an easy week where you're going to have a bit of a look at how it's improved. So it's not too far down. You go, oh, okay, that didn't really work very well. And this happens all the time. It, you know, everyone's so different that not everyone responds to the same training plan. So you do need to measure and just check and and try something else that doesn't work. So, so the key here is to set that vision and maintain that vision of what we want to achieve, but hold our plans loosely. Does that make sense? Hold our plans loosely and be willing to change our plan to uh, the means of how we fulfill that vision. Exactly. And just, and the same thing may not work for you for two months in a row. It may work for one month. 
you know, so you, you do need to be measuring. Like it might work, have worked for you last year, but it may not be working this year for whatever reason that is. So, yeah, holding that plan loosely, thinking about ways you can adapt, and you're looking at that, fine, you know, the long range as you're doing it. So. Okay. So coming to a conclusion here, that, that Andrew, so with your, your FitLab business, do you exclusive, do you only work with, with, uh, with cyclists? Is that, is that your choice or is that just because of the, they're just the ones who typically are wanting, the, wanting this elite help? Uh, I have, as, as a business model, I have gone into being pretty much a niche cycling and business, mm-hmm. mainly because it, se- it seemed to fit better with, in terms of being specialists in the area, seemed to be a better approach than trying to be a broad one fit for everyone. Um, it does apply to other people, but yeah, from our point of view, my background is, um, from a sporting point of view, has been racing overseas and, and competing um, and cycling. So it, that background, as well as my, my university training and experience and working in the industry, I guess, has been around that. So um, from my point of view, it's that's, that's the angle that I've, we've, we've taken with the company. So, Okay. And so do you work with only the very high end or sort of people who might be wanting to train for just some ordinary cycling event, a triathlon or something as well? Yeah. So we do the whole range generally. Yeah. So I have guys, I had a guy that was turned pro last year, uh, rode for Drapak, which is an Australian team, ironically. And uh, he, so that's one end of the spectrum. And then we've got another, we've got people that it might be doing their first, what they call a sporty, which is a French word for uh, just a general sports cycling event. Like in New Zealand, there's a round Taupo and that's a race that they have every year. And I think there's plenty over in, over your way as well uh, that they do. And it's okay. just a fun event usually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if we've got, we've got some listeners that are into cycling and they want to get better, they want to, they want to, they want to do a, a, a program, find, find something that's going to help them just to, to strip past their mates. How can they get in contact with you for a, a consultation? Yeah, well, they could either just get straight in contact with me, which is andrew at fitlab, fitlab.co.nz, or just look up the website and there's plenty of information so, on there and they can have a smooth, smooth so around. You, so you're in New Zealand. We do have some listeners in New Zealand, but the bulk of them are in Australia and and uh, and elsewhere so do you only work with people face to face or can you work with people online as well no it's it's a fairly web based uh side of it now as well so we we okay. do but we do lots so yeah a lot of the guys are racing overseas you know the elite guys are off overseas all the time anyway and you hardly see them so um it's it's definitely something that's a lot easier now than it used to be to do online so it works for anywhere i had a guy from south africa email me yesterday i think it was wanting a plan so interesting okay. <laughs> Interesting times. All right. All right. Great. Andrew, thanks for joining us on the show. And thanks for your advice, mate. I'll, I'll have a, a serious think about whether I want to get out of my chair and do some exercise now. Yeah, look, I might go, I might go for a run and see if I can drag Chris along with me. <laughs> so so uh, thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for listening, man. Uh, at, uh, don't forget to come over to our website, www.realman247.org. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.